1: The Reasonable Voices are advocates prioritizing education, preserving our history, leading by example for a peaceful and prosperous world, by evoking and embracing both creative artists and political unity as solutions to our challenges. Hello, and welcome to the Reasonable Voices News Talk radio program. I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice. And our reasonable voice today is Guy McPherson, Ph.D. Dr. McPherson is an author of at least 13 weather-related books and many articles and videos about climate change. He is a professor emeritus of conservation biology at the University of Arizona and a leading voice educating us about abrupt climate change. Dr. McPherson joins us today to remind us that nature bats last meaning, among other things, we need to be paying a lot more attention to the ever-increasing examples of climate change acceleration. Yet this is no gloom and doom program today. Since December 2016, Dr. McPherson has had a regular column in the weekly hubris in Greece. He is committed to compiling and presenting evidence without financial compensation. Welcome back, Dr. Guy McPherson, and how are you on this hot July Monday?
0: Thank you very much, Marcello. I'm doing fine, thank you, and I appreciate the opportunity to talk again.
1: I, I don't know that enjoyed is the word, but I'm not, I don't find this joyless. I find uh, truth quite rewarding and, and freeing, so I do enjoy our conversation, so there. Um, <laughs> first, First, Guy, can you tell us why you write and and produce videos.
0: I'm a teacher. I tried to stop. I left active service at the University of Arizona more than 12 years ago, thinking that I could actually retire and no longer teach, but I can't help myself. If I come across evidence, and most recently, within the last 10 or 15 years, that evidence deals with climate change, then I seem to uh, unable to help myself regarding sharing that information. So it's a little like when I was in the classroom, but there's no classroom and there's no committed group of students that I know by name showing up on a regular basis. Instead, it's YouTube University and it's my blog, Nature Bats Last, and so on. It's an opportunity to reach people, sometimes through speaking tours, sometimes through venues such as this, which I greatly appreciate. Any opportunity to try to share evidence with people is something I welcome.
1: Okay. You know... That was a great answer, Guy. I'm not at all surprised. And I always love it when there's this pause as you think about what you're talking about, which always pleases me. <laughs> not everyone does. <laughs> in, in, in any case, you know, living in California these days, we fear forest fires. and In Florida, hurricanes. In all 50 states, COVID's Delta variant. But why, with all of that going on, should we be concerned about the Arctic Ocean warming and losing ice?
0: Well, we've never had an ice-free Arctic Ocean in the history of our species. In addition, the rate of environmental change in the wake of loss of ice is going to be remarkably fast. We are going from a system that is largely white at least has a lot of white that reflects that's called albedo so there's great albedo coming out of the arctic right now and when the ice melts it it turns from white to dark blue Hmm. you can only imagine that there's no longer any reflectance no longer any albedo instead the ocean is soaking up those sun's rays it's like transitioning from a white reflective surface to a Black body It's almost a black body The the deep blue ocean So it's just soaking up all the heat That it has been reflecting Up till now That's not going to be good In large part because We currently occupy the warmest Earth With our species present
1: Mm.
0: And We have blown right past Dozens of warnings throughout history Dating back many decades now, indicating that we have reached the point that has long been feared for dozens of years, or in fact, dozens of decades. People thought it would be a disaster if we get to this this point, and here we are, Mm -hmm. and we have exceeded many of the numbers the carbon dioxide in the atmosphere, the carbon dioxide equivalent in the atmosphere, the global average temperature, and so on. We've exceeded all of those, and we just keep churning along, and it seems to me that few people even even have an understanding that we've exceeded those thresholds, much less that it should be a matter of concern.
1: Mm. Well, I couldn't agree with you more. I know too many people, when the subject comes up, that uh they don't know about it and they don't usually want to even hear about it but I'm no I'm no expert so I don't push it I just invite you to come on the show but uh, <laughs> what, what is a warm jet in a cold ocean
0: ah this is from a paper relatively recently published in a distinguished peer reviewed article nature communications as I recall and The warm jet refers to the warm water almost like heat domes on land. These heat domes, or their equivalent, are appearing in the ocean. The cold water is the Arctic. The Arctic Ocean is the planetary air conditioner. Mm. Without the Arctic Ocean having that white ice on it, and without it having cold water, we are in real trouble because the global cycles of atmospheric circulation and oceanic circulation, marine circulation, will be severely disrupted when we start seeing these heat domes beneath the surface appear more and more frequently. This is a major cause for concern. The lead author of that paper, Professor Jennifer McKinnon, who has an appointment at Scripps Institution, and also at the University of California, San Diego. She said upon release of that paper in Nature Communications, when interviewed by CBS News on April 23rd, 2021, she said she expects an ice-free Arctic in
1: 2022.
0: Mm. That's not long from now. No. And we've never had humans on the planet with an ice-free Arctic Ocean. The rate of environmental change in the wake of that event is bound to be so rapid that we will have great difficulty, as will every other species on the planet, keeping up with the rate of change. It's as if we're going from being in a nice, cool movie theater to stepping outside when it's 115 degrees and we're stepping onto the asphalt parking lot. Now, we can handle that as individuals. But imagine if your very existence depends upon survival in this new set of conditions, when all you've ever experienced, all you ever recall, is movie theater-type conditions. Mm. And now now you're in a completely different environment.
1: Yes. I wonder if this, this quote that caught my attention is connected to this. I guess everything we're talking about is connected to it. But if you could explain this quote, because as I've told you before, another of the many reasons that I like having you on the show is that you can explain things in a way that a layman can understand them. Um, but the quote was, observations show that the heat content of the subsurface Pacific summer water within the BG, the, the Beaufort Gyre, has nearly doubled over the last 30 years. If all this heat were turbulently mixed upwards, it could melt more than a meter of sea ice.
0: And unfortunately Throughout most of the Arctic today, there is not a meter of sea sea ice remaining. Mm. We have satellite records that go back to 1979 for the Arctic. And at that time, the sea ice, this is the ice floating atop the Arctic Ocean. So when it melts, it doesn't contribute much to sea level rise. It's insignificant. Mm -hmm. But, But what it does when it melts is it, again, converts that white surface that reflects a lot of incoming radiation into a dark blue surface that's catastrophic so when we lose ice which again 1979 we're talking about five five to ten meters thick that's how thick the ice was floating on the Arctic Ocean in 1979 Mm. now more than 99% of it is less than a meter thick this is a huge change and it portends poorly given that we have hot pacific water coming underneath and melting that ice as well as air temperatures atmospheric temperatures also warm enough to melt the ice from above and i'm sure you've seen reports of more than 100 degrees fahrenheit above the arctic circle many times already this year and we're not even a month into summer
1: yes speaking of summer and What did the United Nations Environment Program report? I mean, particularly as it pertains to 100 to 200 species of plant and insect and bird and mammal becoming extinct every 24 hours?
0: Right. They were estimating 150 to to 200 species were going extinct every single day, every 24-hour period. The numbers since then indicate that that estimate was low, that the number of species going extinct in a 24-hour period is actually more than 200 species per day. That's a lot. Yeah. It's it's evidence that we are in the midst of a mass extinction event. People have been talking about the sixth mass extinction as if it lies somewhere in the future. But according to the, this United Nations Environment Program document from August of 2010, we were already in a mass extinction event at that time. Hmm. We've known about this for a long time. Yes. You know, this is not just something that appeared on the radar the day before yesterday. This is, we've had plenty of warning, in other words, that we are in the midst of a mass extinction event.
1: Well, I think if people are not responding to words like mass extinction, I don't know what else it takes, but how about this? (laughs) Would you make the connection between our food chain and the environment, world economy, and human dependence on our habitat?
0: Absolutely, and probably this topic, food chain or food web, is the one that most captures people's attention because it's difficult for us to imagine that there will be no water coming through the taps much less that there will be a lack of availability for clean water. But we've all, or most of us have, now that we've survived a pandemic, have been to the grocery store and certain goods are no longer available. It was, oddly enough, toilet paper for an extended period of time. And depending upon which part of the world you were living in, it was eggs and other dairy products for a time. So it's easier for us to imagine now that at some point, essentially nothing to eat is at that grocery store. So mm-hmm. that's something that captures your attention right away. Yeah. What if I go to the grocery store and there's nothing there except toilet paper, paper? As I like to say, if you put nothing in, you get nothing out. So mm-hmm. if there's only toilet paper, we don't need, we don't have much to worry about. But the absence of food is problematic. Yeah. And we have. We have created and come to rely upon a just-in-time delivery system for food, for water coming out of the taps, for almost everything that we take for granted in our daily lives. It's all barely making it but just barely skating by. If you've ever been in one of the back alleys in a big city, say Manhattan, mm-hmm. and look at how busy they are just to keep every grocery store and every restaurant in business, there are dozens of people coming through those back alleys every day delivering the goods So you you know when you go someplace and you buy a loaf of bread and some butter and some jam whatever you think it's just a little bit and look they have lots and lots of this stuff so I don't ever need to be worried about it. Well, take a look behind the scenes sometime take a look in one of those alleys where we almost never, have the opportunity to see Mm -hmm. and you'll understand almost immediately what the problem could be if we don't have people delivering all those goods in very rapid succession yes
1: you know when we've had this conversation before it's always reminded me of when um one of my first trips to europe I, I in western europe anyway i did a, not only a lot of driving but a lot of walking and i am concerned for instance of the current floods in germany because they seem to be hitting a lot of small towns but our news media won't say the names of the towns so i don't know if it's where i know people or not but i do remember a dear sweet little what i call a little farmer lady because i met her only briefly but she knew i was american she invited me in and, and with her german and my english we managed to communicate on a number of things but the one of the points she made very clear to me was that at the end of world war ii the people who survived in germany were the farmers and everyone came to the farmers and the farms because that was the only food so with that and your mention of covid nineteen i've always submitted since covid hit us and still is with us i don't know how Everyone thought this had suddenly gone away, but in any case, we won't go there, but um, that COVID to me, for all of its tragedy, is yet a rehearsal for what, or or a hint, if you will, for what it will be like if what you are telling us happens in the next, what, five years?
0: I, I couldn't agree more, and it's difficult for me to imagine that we have five years. Just as an example the ice-free Arctic, expected by Jennifer McKinnon in 2022, is matched pretty closely by James Anderson, who on January 15, 2018, for Forbes magazine, after it did delivered a presentation in Chicago, he was quoted, and and by the way, James Anderson is, is famous at Harvard and beyond mm-hmm. for discovering the link between chlorofluorocarbons and the Antarctic ozone hole. And he said after this presentation, quote, the chance there will be permanent ice in the Arctic after 2022 is essentially zero. Wow. Well, that's fast upon us. Yes. To make very rapid transition from ice covering the Arctic Ocean to ice where it's at now, which is a, a shell of what it was in the late 1970s and early 1980s. And then you're talking about essentially zero chance of permanent ice in the arctic after 2022 that's very soon you know and that very rapid rate of environmental change is the kind of thing that no species can keep up with no species that we know about on this planet anyway because that rapid rate of change outstrips the ability for species to adapt Mutate, for example, in response to a completely different environment. We're we're facing a very different world than the one we've known so far, and I suspect it's not going to be a very pleasant place in the not-too-distant future.
1: Are you telling us that the habitat for human beings is disappearing throughout the world, even as we speak?
0: Absolutely. There's no question about it. There was a great paper in Science Advances... From 2020, and I'm having a difficult time coming up with the author's names, but they found that lethal wet bulb temperatures were already killing people around the globe, hmm. particularly in tropical and subtropical regions. Lethal wet bulb temperatures manifest in organ failure. There was a paper I came across within the last two or three days indicating that More than five million people are dying every year as a result of climate change, as a direct result of climate change. More than five million people a year. It's happening. It's not something that lies in the distant future. I mean, it's something that lies in the future for many of us who are privileged enough to live in one of the mm, kinder locations in terms of what's happening with climate and the weather. But there are millions of people dying already. There is ice going away. There are people losing habitat in tropical and subtropical regions. There is saltwater infusion into freshwater reservoirs so that it's becoming increasingly difficult to find clean water to drink. It's happening. Yeah. And it's not something that lies in the distant future. You don't have to look very hard to find evidence that we have crossed the Rubicon quite a while
1: ago. All right, we're going to take a short break. We are talking to Dr. Guy McPherson, and uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about his personal life a bit, his family, friends, even strangers, and how they respond to to what you're listening to this morning, for instance. So stay with us. We'll be right back with our guest today, Dr. Guy McPherson, Ph.D., Welcome to the Film Minute. In 2006, an inconvenient truth told us that global warming was upon us, that it was caused by the actions of mankind, and that the consequences would be dire if we took no action. Ten years later, broad predictions have coalesced into horrific specifics, and climate change accelerates. Really? Who says so? Important trustworthy people say so. Check out the eye-opening documentary The Age of Consequences. These aren't our simultaneously lauded and vilified scientists talking, but important and thoughtful world leaders. Those who bear frontline burden. They must plan for our survival. One of the first countries to go under water will be Bangladesh. This will be a flashpoint. Did you know there is already a fence surrounding the entire country for controlling the inevitable mass migration? Many of the biggest crises of our times, Syria, the Sudan, the failed Arab Spring, and others, are already tied to climate change. With shocking imagery driving their points home, the predictions of these world leaders are grounded in grim reality. We at the Indie Film Minute are not political animals. We only watch movies and bring your attention to the good ones. This one is a powerful eye-opener. Watch it you'll see. The Age of Consequences, not in theaters, discovery through rental. Welcome back to the Reasonable Voices News Talk Radio Program. I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, and again our Reasonable Voice today is Dr. Guy McPherson. Guy has been talking to me and to the world through his books, his website, his videos, guest appearances, uh, for many, many years, and trying to just educate us so we can prepare the the best possible life that we want to live or whatever time we have left. I'd hate to mutilate this quote, but uh, I'm going to do my best. Forgive me, lovers of a Christmas carol. I do believe it's the first ghost that visits uh, Ebenezer Scrooge. One of those wonderful quotes, again, apologies. uh, We never have enough time to do all that we would wish. The thing to do is do as much as we can with the time that we have. Actually, I think that's pretty close to it. We are all in this world together, and we have not always acted like that, even within our borders. But I wonder if we can ask you now, Guy, share with us a bit of how your family, your friends, even strangers, respond to your promulgating the more immediate scientific concerns about climate change, what you call abrupt climate change.
0: Well, for a long time, and with most people, the response was... Unwelcome, inflammatory, and really quite rude. I have been subject to an enormous amount of defamation, libel, and slander because I've been presenting evidence, Mm -hmm. interpreting that evidence. And that has caused the loss of most of the relationships in my life. My former colleagues, co-workers, family members, friends who I knew in some cases my entire life, in some cases for more than 20 years that I was at the University of Arizona. And they just exited from my life. Now, of course, with the bad comes the good. So you could argue that these were fair-weather friends anyway. And the people who remain in my life are very important to me, dear to me. In Mm -hmm. fact, now, because I had these unwelcome experiences and my partner had similar unwelcome experiences, we together created the Only Love Remains workshop that you can find at onlyloveramains.org because some people not only want to know the truth but and and that includes the full truth but they also want to know what to do with it Hmm. how do i deal with this information you're telling me that our species will be gone soon and that means everybody i know all humans on the planet any ideas about my legacy and so on they're all gone they don't matter anymore and knowing this, believing this, subscribing to the evidence, is a lonely conclusion. Mm-hmm. And it actually interferes with many relationships. So you want somebody to discuss the most important topic in the history of our species, and your family and friends are in denial, that's why we created the Only Love Workshop, so that you could have a, an emotionally healthy way to move forward, you could have a conversation about things that matter, you could keep that in the back of your mind. Then when you talk about it with other people, maybe you proceed a little more cautiously than you might have otherwise proceeded, and so on. So the workshop has been very influential for the relatively few people who have participated. Obviously, our lives were disrupted by a certain pandemic, and so the workshop was postponed we'll say for a little more than a year there. We look forward to getting back on track with that and we have other things going on in our lives as well. We're looking forward to closing on a house here in Vermont. We're relatively new to Vermont and there are some positive things to look forward to. Mm. If there if there weren't, you know, it'd be hard to get along in the world if if there's n- no optimism remaining, then it's hard to get along in the world, at least for me.
1: I understand. You know, tell us a bit more about your life partner and uh, about why the two of you created. I, I know you've spoken to this, but I watched the video on Only Love Remains. And isn't that also, that's also the title of one of your books, if I recall. Is that correct? Yeah. Yes. Yes, yeah, that's um, correct. So the, the book is incredible, and, and we can talk about that as well, but the workshop, what has been the response? Because judging from the video I saw, the people who are involved are very much embrace it.
0: Yes, the people who have participated in the workshop uniformly have reached the conclusion that it was good for their lives, it was a wonderful experience. And, you know, we think so as well. Obviously, we are a little bit biased because we created the workshop, but it provides an opportunity for people to talk about something that seems to be taboo for most of culture, most of the culture that we are a part of. And mm. it's, we, you know, we don't even talk about dying in this culture. It's true. You know, it's, it's one of those topics that is taboo for almost everybody It's you know we didn't talk about it when I was a kid growing up it was one of those topics that you just just didn't bring up it was off limits Mm -hmm. And, and it seems that most people are still in that terrible situation that we can't talk about death how can we not talk about death everybody dies Mm -hmm. Nope, that everybody dies how could we not talk about it we know it's going to afflict us at some point comedians make great lives and money talking about the unspeakable Mm -hmm. but we could spend a little time there ourselves
1: yes I think the reason I am more comfortable with it than perhaps most is because I was the caregiver for 10 years, both my parents who were suffering from Alzheimer's so that I I knew that this was killing them and I also for the most part trial and error figured out how to make their time here as pleasant as possible and the two worlds constantly collided but I learned that if you if you just open up to both of them it flows a lot easier and you feel like you are fulfilling a purpose that's higher than that bridges if you will Life and death, I don't know, is that going too far?
0: No, I couldn't agree more. Mm-hmm. The we're all going to die. We all know people who have died, any of us over the age of fifteen or so. Mm-hmm. We all know people who have died. and I suspect most of us have had some regret about things left unsaid with somebody in our life who has died. Yes, you know that's that's uh, an emotionally difficult topic to deal with. And we just, our response in this culture, for the most part, is to not. To not talk about it at all, to not even think about it. Just ignore it away, thinking that, I guess, I'm not going to die, everybody else has, but it can't affect me, that sort of thing. Hmm. It's kind of ridiculous.
1: It is, it is. But people do it, and I I know the, the biggest thanksgiving I ever felt about my parents' condition is that I had 10 years, even though they were not always consistently with me, you know, that is present mentally, but there were a lot of times when they were, and I had every opportunity that those moments occurred to talk with them, to sell them things I'd never told them. And so in that sense, it really was, it goes beyond the overused word closure. It was, it was beautiful. It was connecting. I wonder, you know, a lot of people when I bring this up and and when I promote shows that you've done with me before, they will will say, well, what about this? What about that? And of course, most of them say, well, why should I pay my credit card bills? That's the one I hear most often. But I wonder, since you brought up you trying to close on a house in Vermont, what do you say to people who, uh, I don't know, real estate buyers and sellers or landlords and tenants or wedding planners for that matter? and 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 this one I heard the other day, Builders of Climate Change Shelters. Talk to me, Guy.
0: Oh, oh my goodness. Yeah. I say to all of those people the same thing I say to you periodically and to many people that I run across. We don't have long. How are you going to live in light of that information? How are you specifically going to conduct your life? You, I, I want to conduct my life with integrity, no matter how long I have. I want to be as honest as I possibly can, while not being so honest that I walk up to a, say, a five-year-old and say you're going to be dead by next Tuesday mm-hmm. because of climate change. You know, there's, there. These are the decisions that we make on a daily basis. How do we share information? Do we share information? Can is, is this person I'm talking to emotionally mature enough to even have this conversation? So, there's a lot there.
1: Are you still invited to speak publicly? And do strangers, for instance, who follow your work ask to meet you, as, as I did, as a matter of fact?
0: <laughs> well, you know, during the... Pandemic, there wasn't a lot of demand for somebody who was willing to go around the country. And I was a little reluctant about going around the country to begin with, but I still am available for public speaking. And I did some presentations via zoom. I still have twice weekly zoom meetings with a group of people who are themselves trying to come to grips with how we move forward in the world.
1: Hmm. How about your friend? Um, I, I apologize if I mispronounce the name, Dr. Ye Tao. Yes. Yeah, and mere reflection framework. What's that? Yeah,
0: thank you for bringing that up. Dr. Tao came up with this idea. He's at Harvard's Roland Institute as a Roland Fellow, and after following my work for a while, he is as a multi-talented engineer he came up with a solution to abrupt climate change. Hmm. The The problem is that the planet is overheating, and it's overheating in large part because of the greenhouse gases we put into the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Those g- gases act as something like a blanket, holding the heat down once the Earth gets heated up. Well, what if instead we put a bunch of structures out to reflect that incoming radiation, that incoming sunlight, so that it doesn't even have an opportunity to heat the planet. Mm. So that's where the mirror reflection framework comes from. And if you want to know more, mirrorreflection.com and mirror is spelled M-E-E-R and it's an acronym referring to mirrors and cooling the earth. So it's not mirrors like you look in when you're having a particularly healthy feeling day Mm -hmm. it's m-e-e-r reflection.com and it seems to me that it's a an ingenious idea if it were up to me i would award dr Tao the nobel peace prize just for having the idea Mm. the implementation is proving challenging because in addition to putting up a bunch of mirrors to cool the planet we also are going to have to change the way we live. We cannot continue to act like the world is my oyster at somebody else's expense. Mm -hmm. We We must act with integrity. We must stop acting as if the world is here for us and we just need to take and take and take. We have too many rich people. That was was the best line I ever got from Paul Ehrlich in an article he posted. That was the headline, too many rich people. And the problem is we have too many people, like me, even though I haven't drawn a paycheck for more than a dozen years, I still have, because of the privilege I've enjoyed as a heterosexual Caucasian man, Mm -hmm. I still have access to money that allows me to buy things, some of which I don't really even need. Mm -hmm. And when you extend that, to a few billion wealthy people, you get us exactly where we are now, which Mm. is literally consuming the planet.
1: Yes. What sort of sacrifices or adjustments in our lifestyle, especially Americans, can we make to slow down or delay the effects of climate change?
0: Well, we can not have children for a variety of reasons, including not just the consumption that is required for a first world Person mm-hmm. in, on this planet, we can and and I mean, there's also the danger that I'm correct yeah. in the notion that we face an existential threat. And so, do you want to bring a child into that situation? That's that's a legitimate question to ask yourself. Yes. And then, of course, we can always consume less. We are the consummate consumers, as I wrote in my book. 2005 killing the natives we just it seems that that's what we live for in the first world is just to buy to buy to buy so that we have more than the Joneses so that we think we're just keeping up but actually we're getting ahead of a whole lot of people in the world do we need all that stuff Mm, I doubt it how much of it do we need to actually persist to survive to enjoy our lives and how much of it goes beyond that and you know that applies to everything it applies to how you eat, how you conduct your spiritual life, how you what how and what do you drive, how do you transport yourself from one place to another? You know, I'm reminded living in this small town in Vermont of the railroad system that used to be the envy of the civilized world and now running through this small town, we have a rail trail. The rail was torn out and what remains is a trail that is maintained by the municipality here. So that's a nice place to walk beside the river and through the forest, listening to the birds and so on. But it used to be an important source of transportation and now everybody has their personal car. When I wrote Killing the Natives some more than 15 years ago, there was more registered vehicles than there were people of age to drive in the United States. Wow. something like 1.2 cars per registered driver. These are the kinds of things that we don't need to do, but we seem to be driven to do. Tell
1: me, we have to go soon, and this has been incredible as always. I wonder, you have another relevant video uh, on this topic coming out Friday, July 23rd of this year. Can you tell us something about it and how we can find it?
0: Yes, you can go to one of two places. You can go to my blog, Nature Bats Last is the name of it, and it's at com, just my name, .com. And, or you can go to the Nature Bats Last YouTube channel. Just go on YouTube, go to Nature Bats Last, a little search engine, and if you go there on Friday or Saturday or Sunday or Monday, near the top of the recent videos will be a video called Finding Meaning, colon, The Pillars of Stoicism. And it's about how we live in light of sometimes the world isn't very kind to us. Marcus Aurelius was one of the principal figures in the development of Stoicism. And he is renowned for his many great quotes about how we live with integrity, how... We enjoy our short lives despite the seemingly horrible things that happen to us. And think about it, Marcello. You and I have already outlived many, many people yes. that we know and that we don't know. And we have also enjoyed enormous privilege. We can go to a grocery store and get all kinds of food from all around the world. Yes. Take it home, Cook it in an oven huh, with grid-tied electricity, imagine that. These are the kinds of things that didn't exist that long ago. In fact, we were looking for houses here in Vermont, and all of the houses have three or four or five bedrooms and one bathroom. They were built when there were no bathrooms. There was indoor plumbing. There was no indoor electricity. And so just looking at all these houses around here is a reminder of the privilege we enjoy for being born at a certain time in a certain location. Wow, it's amazing. Yes,
1: yes, it is. I remember that about my grandmama's house. Tons of bedrooms, a formal living room, a formal dining room, family room, all of that, and uh, no bathroom. (laughs) Right. Not not until I was a teenager, I remember, that they put in a bathroom. Tell us, we we do have to go, Guy, and it has always been incredibly important Informative, And I know people may think I'm a little nuts for saying this, but after I talk to you and I listen to the facts, the truth, I actually feel much better. I really do. I feel like now I'm armed with truth, and what more can I expect than that? And then, And then, uh, as you say, and as I believe myself, you conduct your life accordingly. We get choices. We get a chance to say and do what we always wanted to say and do. So why not seize it? But tell us now, because we do need to go. We've talked about the workshops and videos and books. But uh, what about your website? I'm going to slow down. You can say it as fast as you want. But I'm going to say Nature Bats, as in at a baseball game, B-A-T-S, last. Nature Bats last. And you tell us anything else, website, videos, uh, uh, social media. You can follow all of my work by going to Naturebytes
0: last. That's at guymcpherson.com. That'll take you to anything that I release. These days I'm releasing somewhere between two and five videos a week with a focus on videos because it seems that people in this society are much more receptive to video than they are to the written word
1: (laughs) than they are to reading I'll say it
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah and Um. so there's a lot there and there's a lot in the archives there as well interviews such as this one I believe this is my eighth conversation with you and there you can find all of those at guymcpherson.com
1: well Guy I wish you and all those dear to you all the very best It's been enlightening, as always, and we'll do it again, okay?
0: That's great. Thank you, Marcella. I really appreciate every opportunity to chat with you.
1: I feel the same way, Guy. Dr. Guy McPherson, our guest today, thank you so very much. Wishing you all the best and that life of integrity that you are teaching us all, advising us all, that we should embrace. Thank you. Thank you. Bye now. And now, from WatchFireMusic.com... Vocal artist Jenny Burton singing Who Will Heal the World? Broken-hearted, build the
0: families, give back the dignity that's now been taken away. Who will heal the world? Send me into the valley.
1: Hello, I'm Marcello Rolando, the reasonable voice, thanking you for joining us and becoming one of the reasonable voices heard round the world. Justice for all, or our dishonor will remain forever. I believe most Americans, parents or not, regardless of political persuasion, race, creed, skin color, or sexual choices including whether they've had an abortion or would gladly shoot any doctor responding to a woman's request for a medical procedure legal since the Supreme Court declared Texas anti-abortion laws illegal in 1973. Whether we own multiple guns or have never fired one, most of us have been impacted by the 24-7 news reruns, where only the talking heads have been changed to protect the hyperbolic. Most Americans are more bewildered by rising gasoline prices than attentive to the way Trumpism has enabled conservative Republicans to openly reveal their innermost secret desires, to be cloned cheerleaders for insurrectionists and rendered somewhat superficially miraculous in their efforts to hypnotize their constituents with a keep-it-simple-stupid interpretation of our Bill of Rights." fooling some of the people all of the time into believing our Second Amendment is a license to justify violent mob rule. Yet whether fast-talking or fearfully hiding in the darkest shadows of Congress, while others who re-elect them are rendered somewhat dumbfounded and absolutely horrified by the complete and utter whiplash annihilation of LaPierre's blood-stained excuse, because in May 2022, every good man with a gun waited outside a Texas school while a lone 18-year-old assassin, using his newly purchased AR-15 style semi-automatic rifle, murdered two teachers and all of the 19 elementary school students they were trying to protect. It's national suicide for a free society to be run by boards of international corporatism, puppeteering GOP state legislators, governors, and senators, while recalibrating global economics to benefit America's latest robber barons. The greatest weapon, however, against America's survival is an electorate swinging back and forth, left and right, always in reaction to the last past election, instead of choosing the America we profess to be, the life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness envied by the world. Enough is enough, and thoughts of prayers, don't cut it without concerted, consistent civil, collective courage, rather than becoming what we are against by attempting to shoot a Supreme Court justice, thus becoming the mirror reflection of the members of Congress who were complicit in the conspiracy to overthrow a duly elected American president. It's time we hold these truths to be self-evident. Only two things are absolutely essential to any gun violence. No, not being 18, Texas Tower Shooter, 1966, nor acting alone, Columbine Duo, 1999. Not being straight, Pulse Nightclub, 2016, nor adults only, Sandy Hook, 2012, and Uvalde, 2022. No one faith or race. Bible Study Emmanuel African Methodist Episcopal 2015, Texas First Baptist 2017, Tree of Life Synagogue 2018, not one preferred setting either, Las Vegas Outdoor Concert 2017, Buffalo Supermarket 2022, and not limited to those who do nothing to prevent it, Congressional Baseball Game 2017, or Survivors Insisting Never Again, Parkland 2018. The two essentials for mass murder are, one, an easily accessible militarized gun in the hands of a civilian indoctrinated in the belief that, two, the Second Amendment guarantees his unlimited power to use it when, where, how, and on whom he wishes. Unlike Ukraine, America doesn't need a Hitler, Stalin, Putin, or even Joe McCarthy to destroy our free and independent nation for our fragile union has been targeted by big business and their politically selected enemies within since our beginning. So it's not just Donald Trump, his senior staff, or his many acting agency heads, nor Americans who, in support of him, attempted a coup of the United States of America, but it's also conservative Republican senators, governors, and fox-trotting propagandists who, before, during, and after, aided and abetted acts of sedition, profaning their sacred oath to support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic. If only we cherished the lessons of the good, bad, and ugly of our American history, gun violence statistics, and increasing legal revelations of the illegal conspiracy plot to overthrow our democratic republic, wouldn't surprise us. Still we bleed, grieve, insist. America is the land of the free and home of the brave, isn't it? Tell me, what's brave about violent attacks on fellow citizens? Where in our Constitution does freedom give us liberty to hang a vice-president or a governor? What kind of light on the hill are we if we excuse, as a normal tourist visit, how close America's light came to being extinguished by a premeditated extremist insurrection? So gullible, they believe American presidents have the legal right to incite domestic terrorism. America can't be the light of the world until we reject conservative Republicans who refuse to preserve, protect, and defend us, and instead elect Americans who are fighting this good fight without violence. It is for us, we the people, to be dedicated here to the unfinished work of justice for all, or our stain of dishonor will remain forever. Thank you, and join us. Become one of the reasonable voices heard round the world.